It's February 28th, 2022. This is Rook. is openly gay, proud, and making it his mission to introduce and support LGBTQ folks in the Iranian community through all Persian drag shows. Javid Jabari dealt with the fear of imprisonment or even death for being a gay man growing up in Iran and serving in the army. Now he's in Canada and committed to fighting homophobia in our community. He joins us in the Rook studio coming up. But first, as the world watches the tragic military assault on Ukraine, we can mean a conversation about Iranian perspectives and support for Ukrainians from a community that knows the horrific nature of war all too well. This is Conversations from, to, and about the Iranian diaspora. I'm Gian Gomeshi. This is Rook. Hi there, welcome to episode 169 of Rook. Hope you are keeping well wherever you're tuning in from around the world. Hello to you from Toronto, Canada. Salam du son Aziz, Durud Bar Javid Jabari. I'm very much looking mm-hmm. forward to having him here in the, the Rook studio. The founder and producer of the Persian drag show wow. here in Toronto. Uh, Chayad, what is? do we have a, a Persian word? For drag performance or Persian? Oh, f- no, not as I. I, so I was thinking. Know. I was yeah. wor- wondering about that because I've t- I've mentioned him to a few people and a couple of I've actually had even in younger people a couple of reactions like drag is like which and I don't I, I mean Iranians which is actually telling which is part of the point yeah. that he's trying to introduce uh, drag performance in the Iranian community so. So for Iranians tuning in or in Iran or folks who uh, aren't entirely clear what we're talking about, and I'm, my, my apologies to most people who are listening, of course, and who know what drag performance is, I guess you'd say it's a gender-bending art form of performance. Uh, you'd say drag's main purpose is performance and entertainment, but I know it's also used as a self-expression and celebration of LGBTQ pride. Um, like a typical drag show is awesome. It'll include lip syncing or dance and performers often have elaborate clothing and hair and makeup. So this is particularly notable to be done in the Iranian community where uh, homophobia has been no stranger and where someone like Javid, who has come from Iran, a country in which it's uh, quite dangerous to be openly gay, is is leading this uh, this awareness campaign through uh, the ebullience of, of drag shows. Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to having Javid in the studio here in just a little bit to share his story and his journey to becoming the founder of Persian Drag Show in Canada. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, quite a few days in the world where one gets the sense we are experiencing history in real time and difficult to watch in many ways. Let me uh, bring in the, the Rook team. Hello, the fabulous Keon. Hi, Gian. 
Hello, Captain Reza. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. And hello, Groovy Shai. Hi, Uh, And on the line in Washington, D.C., Mohammed Manzapur, the general manager of Persis Media and director of the Persis News Agency, is also a contributing editor here with Rook Media, our friend Mohammed. Hello, sir. Hello, Gian. Hello, everyone. Good to be with you. Yeah. I just wanted to add that there is a word for drag queens in uh, not very contemporary Persian, but... If you go back to the Qajar era and probably towards the beginning of the Pahlavi era, there were artists who used to perform in weddings and other ceremonies which were called Zanpush. They wore female attire and they would sing and dance and do, you know, uh, what... Uh, female artists were supposed to do at the time and they were restricted of doing. Wow. So and it, and it, was, it wasn't a pejorative to say Zanpush. It was a positive No, thing. Zanpush wasn't a... Uh, no, it it didn't have any negative connotation. Right. It's just referring to artists. There you go, were, Shia. Okay. You don't yeah, know everything. Just, no. It turns out you don't know everything. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, so let me... Uh, it seemed impossible to do today's show without talking about Ukraine. And, uh, and in a sense, I feel like you know, um, obviously, it seems like we're all on the same page. Like, I, I, I feel self-conscious by just sort of repeating what everybody's saying to each other and, and what's on social media and sort of going, I mean, the, the horror of watching what's happening, the, the shock, the surprise, a big European city being attacked. I mean, it, it, it's, it is all of that, all of what we've talked about. And I was thinking, you know, wondering what we can add to this uh what can we do on this this show to to bring any you know uh any light to this beyond what's uh, out there 24 7 in a lot of the media um and one thing i was thinking about is our our feelings and perspectives that we've observed in the iranian diaspora uh, and talking to iranians as well as persians who are in ukraine i should say that we've been in touch with some iranians in ukraine who are sending us notes and voice messages um in a couple of the cases, they actually didn't want to be too public because they're worried. Uh, we have spoken to an Iranian refugee. Uh, we will call him Sepanto, who is in a bunker in Kiev at present uh, and is experiencing, um, you know, a lot of what you've been hearing in the news, the terror of not knowing what's going on, uh, curfews that keep them underground, etc. Shai, you've been listening to some of the messages from him. Uh, he needed his document to like for a travel document as a refugee, and it did expire right a day before war the war then yes. he couldn't and he cannot escape country yes yeah, it's very and he i guess he would not be a ukrainian citizen so as a refugee no. he is someone who is not necessarily conscripted to have to stay at the men of course between the age of 18 yes. and 60 are yeah. all being asked to yeah. stay so he would he's he's trying to leave yes. but he's in a bunker and can't get out uh and we've heard a few stories like that and uh, i'm sure folks have been on social media seeing uh, if you're iranian seeing a lot of the uh iranians there it's it's quite yeah uh, yeah i remember actually we as you remember we interviewed sahra yes for Taliban Taliban, and she escaped from Afghanistan and she went to Ukraine in fact she was in Ukraine when we talked to her yes Yes, and so uh, I I, I don't know and now she's sort of saying she needs to get out of Ukraine Um, so let me first say I I, I thought I'd put this to you guys like I I find it hard to deal with the media coverage at times like this because um, 
on the one hand, I'm so grateful and in awe of those foreign correspondents, those war reporters that you see on the air on CNN, um, who are just remarkable at what they do. And oftentimes they're they're telling us what's going on in the world firsthand with no script, you know, and, and I just have the utmost respect for them. But then there's this like, Inevitably, especially on you know Western television, this this parade of old military officials who will stand in front of a map mm. and present this in a, almost like it's a football game. And here's the, you know here's where the army is here, and here's this, and they're moving in here, and it's and it it feels so disconnected from the the humanity. Um, Muhammad, I was wondering if your observations. I know you've been closely watching. One of the things Persian media does is watch Persian media. Is it the same in in Persian media? Um, yes, as as much as it relates to um, foreign-based Persian media like Manato, Iran International, BBC, Radio Farda, uh, they're pretty much identical to what CNN, BBC, Sky News, and other Western outlets are projecting from this war. But inside Iran, we have the official. Uh, state news agency, IRNA, uh, which is trying to appear as um, uh, not as supportive for the Ukrainians who are resisting the Russians, but kind of to remain very, very objective and factual. But then we have other news agencies which are close to the IRGC in Iran, like Tasnim and Raja News, who are pretty much supporting the Russian or kind of following the Russian line on on how the operation is proceeding wow. uh, in Ukraine yes how so what would uh, what would the, I mean just kind of buying that Putin argument that we're <laughs> saving Russia from the Nazis or something by going into Ukraine uh, yes pretty much so and they are glorifying Russian achievements I mean according to Tasnim uh, Kharkiv uh, or Kharkiv uh, has fallen to the Russian army, but we know that it hasn't. Hmm. And on a number of occasions, Raja News also reported that uh, Russian forces has, have reached the center of Kiev, but that is also not, not the case. So they are, uh, they are towing on the Russian propaganda line in this war. In terms of, in terms of um, support for Russia, it's certainly not something I'm witnessing at all in the mm-hmm. Persian diaspora, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and on social media and, you know, in terms of anyone I know who's Iranian, there's this uh, uh, great support for Ukraine and the Ukrainian people. Of course, that's sometimes expressed through hashtags and putting a little flag on your picture and stuff, which I, you know, I think is yeah that good, is- but I, I, I also, you know, I always wonder about the, futility of that mm. right yeah what is that gonna do we're just trying to fit in with ev- what everybody else is doing um I, l- talking about media to be honest i'm getting most of my news just from social media you know I, like media. i like I, you get i have firsthand accounts of mm. people in ukraine telling me what's going on and what's happening because that's the only thing that i trust i simply don't trust what the news is reporting yeah although don't you also find that on social media it's frustratingly um performative as well like there's like this kind of you know i uh 
watch this truck, watch this tank run into a car, you know. Yeah, and that, like, there's it, not much context. It, it's, it, it's, some of that is just like, again, like you're watching a pinball, like you're watching a video game or something, yeah. you know. And I, yeah, it's, I, I don't know I, what the right answer and is. And to be like, honest with you, everybody, the thing about social media, like that right now especially, the nonsensical of it and it's the uselessness of it, to be perfectly honest with you, comes to the surface right now more than ever before. Like, this, like uh, stating on social media, that you support Ukraine is the same as let's say Prince Harry who said I support Ukraine or uh, the NATO that says we so we, we stand with the people of Ukraine yeah we stand with I mean what are we what are we doing what are, what are you doing that I'm not you're doing the exact same thing as I am a nobody with no power I'm saying I stand with Ukraine yeah. I support them and these people who actually have the power to do something are saying the same thing as but I, I am wouldn't so say I wouldn't wait, wait, Prince Harry has something the power yeah. to do what does he have no no power? Prince Harry Prince William uh, actually. Oh, okay well, Prince William Prince said William. <laughs> Prince Harry I don't think he's got much power <laughs> I don't even know what Prince William can do at this point but but I do but uh, I wouldn't extend that to the people in the streets I mean I would say it's incredibly heartening and powerful to see thousands of people in Berlin and in London and in Toronto I mean you know uh, you know demonstrating against war that that's I can't actually remember um, sadly and we don't have to get into the the weeds of it of why the reason is but when this has happened in Afghanistan or Syria we certainly haven't seen yeah. the world respond this way you know but it is at this point responding and it does feel like this global effort to kind of support Ukraine and and you know in that sense and in as much as watching the U Ukrainian president you know shoot a video of himself and get that out to the world that in that sense social media is is exciting or yeah. energizing and and maybe can change the world but in terms of what we have called in the past like slacktivism of like okay I've done my part because mm -hmm. I wrote hashtag no war I mean mm -hmm. uh, you're right what what does it yeah. really mean Mohammed what's your perspective watching social media especially Iranian social media uh, I think predominantly Iranian social media has been very pro-Ukraine uh, much of it stems from the um, deep animosity that many Iranians feel towards Russia. They believe Russia is the main supporter of the current regime in Iran. And also Iranians have very dark memories of uh, Russian invasion of Iran, both uh, during the Second World War and uh, during the Qajar period, which led to the separation of major parts of Iran from the mainland. So there is this deep sense of animosity and mistrust between Iranians and Russia, and they instinctively side with the Ukrainians. But, you know, there's something else in what you just said, which is one of the things I wanted to ask you guys about or, or bring to the conversation, which is that I think there's something in the fact that you know, not only has Russia been involved in intervention in, in Iran uh, in the past, as you said, but Iranians have also been through war a lot more recently than most folks in the West, right? Than certainly people sitting sitting in, in Canada and the United States for the last few generations. So uh, unless they had potentially a family member who was in Vietnam or something, you know. So I, I feel like there's this, um, this empathy that Iranians currently have for Ukrainians who are in a bunker, who are hearing bombs go off, who are worried about their families, that somebody who has 
grown up in a family who's been in the West in, in, in say, Canada for generations doesn't necessarily have. It doesn't, hasn't seen those horrors of war um, the way Iranians have when 1.5 million people died in the Iran-Iraq war, which really wasn't that long ago. Reza, do you think there's something to that? There for sure is something to that. I grew up, when, when, when I was like two years old, my mom would carry me, like run away into the bunker because there was a, um, a, a siren going off. Uh, they were like they had to run away into the bunker so that they can you know be safe from the rockets and missiles and stuff like that so when she's when when not so much me because i was very little when war was happening so i got a pretty hazy and vague memory of what was going on around me it certainly has had its aftermath on my behavior being even post-traumatic even ptsd like it exists in all of us mm. uh, being byproduct of essentially greed and war and all of that so but my like i see that my mother watches the news like she s sits there and like sheds tears she's like i, I can feel that what those guys there's are a going feeling through. there's an, un there, an yeah. empathy and understanding yeah, yeah. Like it brings back memories traumatic yeah 100 percent. i mean <laughs> even like uh, uh, last year when in toronto they went they, they did some airplane show kind of mm -hmm. that thing i mean it it scares me because mm -hmm. the sound of the like uh, jets, you know, right. jets right. yeah so right. i i can imagine actually how the people feels right now in ukraine going to bunkers yeah well i mean i i didn't get to go through the iran or iraq war fortunately but on the other end my family had to flee the gulf war in kuwait oh. so mm -hmm. you know I, I was a baby as well but i have vague memories of just having to escape and go to the border and i you know, my family took other families of different nation nationalities with them. So it's just, it's a hard time. But it's, that being said, it it's also a time of, like, where human beings unite together, no matter what race you're from, what nationality. You're all just trying to get to safety. So Yeah, it's but I, I watched, a, I did watch a... Uh, uh, a popular American talk show mm -hmm. uh, on the weekend where the guy was kind of going, well, it's too bad it's what's happening there, but it's not really our war. You know, what What, what do we have to do with that? And and I get it. He was partly coming from, it was Bill Maher. Okay. okay. Bill, <laughs> Bill Maher was saying, uh, you know, do we really want to intervene in another, you know, and I get that. Like, mm -hmm. it's like after Afghanistan and Vietnam or whatever, there's, there's a hesitancy to send American troops or yeah. something, mm -hmm. you know, but, but the kind of nonchalant well you know i don't mm -hmm. know what do we, what do we, what do we want to do there right. speaks to someone who I, i'm not you know when i even my family was uh, directly affected by the iran iraq war you know extended family dying in that war etc and and you you know there's a there's an immediacy you go oh mm -hmm. my god this yeah. is you know that i i know what can happen um muhammad we we've talked about you what you've personally been through in terms of war etc um in, in the past do you think that there's something to this, uh, this the, the the Iranian, the global Iranian community, sort of somehow being feeling an empathy for Ukrainians at present that um, comes from our shared collective experience. I think so. I mean, um, much of what I see on social media and even on on official media inside Iran, for example. IRNA, which is the official state news agency, published, a, I would call a cartoon or a comic strip retelling the story of three Iranian border guards who resisted the onslaught of the 
Soviet army when they wanted to uh, invade Iran during the Second World War. And apparently they staged a resistance for 48 hours on a very strategic bridge. And it seems that um, the sense of war and the experience of war being attacked by an army which is much more superior in hardware and technology than yours has played a major role in the kind of sympathy that we see among the Iranians um, towards Ukrainians in this war. Mohammed, would you say that, I mean, I'm certainly my unscientific view of this is that Iranians pretty much around the world are supportive of Ukraine right now or, you know, and and any kind of defense that Ukraine can mount against Russia. Would you say that's true? I would say for the most part, probably for more than 90 percent of the content that I've seen on social media, uh, that is true. But there is a small circle within Iran which is also very close to the Russian Federation, who are extremely supportive of the Russian operation in Ukraine. These people are closely associated to parts of the Iranian regime, and they are praising Putin like a victor, like someone who is liberating Europe from Western oppression. And uh, But they're a very, very small minority, but yet quite influential in the Iranian power structure. Wow. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because all of this is coming on the heels of we just did our Contemporary History of Iran episode last Thursday about Iranian foreign policy and the the definitive shift towards the East uh, in recent years, and the East being not just China, but Russia as well. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of puts the Iranian regime in a weird place uh, in, in in terms of the current moment, which leads me to um, something else that I just want to talk to you guys about before we move on and bring Javid in here. Uh, but, <laughs> I, I, you know, so I was I was out on the weekend and I got three different at, at a couple of Iranian gatherings and I got three different perspectives on what's happening with Ukraine with respect to Iran. Uh, all of all of them wildly different from each other, <laughs> but I'll give you a couple of them. Which it, it's just it was just so interesting. Um, first of all, uh, and maybe this is part of the PTSD that you were talking about, Reza. But there's more than one person said to me this weekend, "I'm worried about Russia now invading Iran." Mm-hmm. So rather than you know, I mean. You know, most Canadians I know don't go, oh, my God, what if now Russia comes after Canada, right? Mm. But Iranians, that's top of mind. What's, you know, the, the, yeah. could there be now Russia has it's gone to Ukraine, and, and which doesn't totally make sense. It's like the focus is on Ukraine. Yo, that's right. You know, they're, they're not coming to come. But that, that, that. And then the flip side of it being I'm afraid Iran is going to be conscripted to help Russia against <laughs> Ukraine, right? Yeah. Uh, and then a third one, and this was a, a, a guy who's a PhD uh, engineer uh, who said to me, <laughs> uh, I, I shouldn't laugh, I mean, you know, maybe, uh, he, he, but his theory was, you know, because Iranians always have a behind the scenes, this is what's really happening, you know? Yeah. Uh, and he was like, they've made this deal, the Russians and the Americans, where uh, Russia will get Ukraine in exchange for America getting Iran. 
yeah, <laughs> always strong. has to include Iran, uh, and that's you know, and that's what we're seeing right now. Because otherwise, why wouldn't America be stopping Russia from moving into all? Of, and I was kind of like, I'm not that. That may be kind of simplistic, don't you think? So um, there's this like, uh, there's no shortage of theories amongst but- <laughs> a group of Iranians. Those theories are like really cute and interesting, but when you cute. look at the facts, it is cute because what is, what is, what what are you afraid of Russia attacking Iran and like getting invading it? Russia already invaded Iran, right? Iran belongs to Russia and China already. Like, how many percentage of uh, Caspian Sea is ours? Like, we already gave that country away. Is a is a perfect base for what russia is trying to do in my perfect opinion in personal opinion i really th- like you're worried about the wrong thing i think russia already has iran and using it to the best of his advantage look at what muhammad is saying all of these generals are supporting russia's movement toward it's this those chips are already uh, if anything if that theory was to be true i think all russia is already taking over iran i mean there's definitely more to it than meets the eye there's so much behind the scenes that we are we're unaware of that who knows I, you know a fourth there, perspective Keon <laughs> no really we, really we don't, don't we don't it's know just, it's very maybe in Putin met with Khamenei <laughs> and they decided it's, to go to it all just seems uh, no, very <laughs> suspect to me you know so, so, so Mohammed, we've talked about uh, you know off the air we often talk about Iranian conspiracy theories and I don't want to dismiss anything that you know people are saying their legitimate concerns about uh, you know Iran being invaded or something or Iranians being conscripted you know to fight for Russia etc but what what do you make of all these different opinions there are just so much conspiracies around that I think is is in effect crippling the society from basically seeing the facts Iranians are in general consumed by conspiracy theories and their first go-to for any sort of rationale concerning world events or affairs or uh, geopolitics or anything, their first port of call is conspiracy. And this, this is crippling the Iranian nation in its entirety. I, I think there is a disconnect with reality in, our, in the way that we collectively see the world. So uh, I'm presuming that of those three things, uh, Russia invading Iran, Iranians being asked to help Russia and fight, you know, against Ukraine, uh, or some trade-off behind the scenes trade-off of Ukraine for Iran to the superpowers, you you don't believe any of those things are true. I think what Reza said is true is true to a great extent. Iran is definitely within the zone of influence of Russia at the moment. I know that. For fact, Iranian security and intelligence services are pretty much um, um, home to Russian uh, intelligence, and they have a, a you know oversight of everything which is happening in Iran. But with regard to Ukraine, there are some facts that um, the issue of Iran is connected in international talks to uh, Russia's scope of influence in in the Baltics and in Eastern Europe and also to the Straits of Taiwan. And it all has some impact uh, on each other. But I, I definitely don't see Iran as central or even marginal in what's happening in Ukraine. 
in any sense of the word. Would it, it ever be? Happen. Would it ever be realistic that Iranians would be asked to, or Iran would be, you know, asked to enter a, a, a kind of war on the side of Russia? Like the way Belarus I, is kind of, uh, we're, no, we're told. No. I, is, I think uh, in in Syria, uh, Iran, Iranian and Russian interests uh, kind of covered each other in a sense that they were both interested in uh, in preventing uh, the fall of Assad. But Iran doesn't have any interest in Ukraine in in terms of who comes out as victorious. And it doesn't, I, I don't think Iran is like Chechnya. I don't think they can come and recruit Iranians to fight in uh, in Ukraine. I think there is a greater likelihood that many Iranians who are abroad may want to join the uh, the foreign legion of the Ukrainian right, uh, right, army. Right. Yeah. That the Ukraine has called out for people to come and, and help. Yeah, I could see that happening as well. Um, so a final note on this. Um, I just wanted to get a sense of where you guys are all at in terms of what you're feeling as you watch this. Because, I, you know, for me, I, I, I can't help but feel that, you know, history is just one... Uh, life is one big circle. Mm-hmm. It just keeps coming back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we always like to think that we are our moment in history is the most evolved you know like we're we're so much better than the past and yet it just kind of repeats itself yeah. you know and we watch this and and it's i mean it's it's sort of shocking and at the same time it shouldn't at all be shocking yeah. because there's no point in history at which this hasn't been happening right where some somebody some country some power some megalomaniac whatever it is decides to annex and take over another country and and that the world somehow gets and nothing about this i feel at this point maybe it's my own dystopian version of the world at this point but nothing would surprise me like if this turned into a world war it wouldn't yeah. surprise me because it because it's happened and we humans don't seem to have the capacity to to learn no. <laughs> no, no, no. Right. too much ego all these you know people in charge of the world unfortunately they're led by their egos and who pays for it the civilians yeah. so it's it's difficult well you know what really bothers me to be quite honest i i sympathize for the people of ukraine what they're going through it's horrible but what makes me really sad is that there's a war going on in yemen mm. syria mm. palestine somalia that nobody talks about there's no news coverage there, there, there is so a, there is a major difference too. of course like, there's a like difference f- the, but i totally agree with you that i mean i i wish every news media would have covered every suffering around the world but yeah. what Gian said earlier he alluded to it too that when the um taliban takeover of afghanistan was happening yeah the media didn't give it like nobody stood up the way they're standing up like for to ukraine and i think it's because and it's sad that it is true but the newfound f- so-called newfound freedom that the afghan people had had it was uh it was done by the uh, outside force which was united states mm-hmm. so the taliban it didn't to to the outside world to the americans to the to the people who are not familiar with that part of the world it didn't feel like an invasion it just felt like the taliban were taking their land back that's unfortunately what it felt like that's what the uproar it didn't it wasn't 
The you really think as, it's as complicated as that? Yeah, I don't I think really, it's that complicated. Isn't, isn't it just like Ukraine is in yeah, Europe and exactly. nobody gives a shit yeah. about the Middle East? Well, that's I mean, the thing. That <laughs> talking about news coverage. <laughs> like I, you just twisted yourself <laughs> yeah. into a pretzel to explain why we didn't. Yeah. It's like, you know. I mean, I think it's... it's the, uh, is it, isn't it realistic to say a white yeah. American is watching this going, oh, the Ukrainians yeah. look like me? Right. You know, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't even simplistic, think the Americans but, knew where the Ukraine was until the whole, like, uh, Trump scandal around it. Like, I think it would have been probably the same reaction if, let's say, you could like the, the, the it wasn't the Russian forces that were taking Ukraine yeah. back. It yeah. was you can you can hear it in the language that they use in the media cover, just saying, you know, this is not Syria. This, like they literally yeah, say, yeah, they this. literally do. They yeah, say yeah. That it's yeah. like it's expected in the these Middle people East, are like us. Yeah, 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 right. exactly. So yeah. it's it is hurtful for me. Well, I think we saw blatant racism in what um, uh, a senior foreign correspondent at CBS mm. said on Sunday uh, when he said that uh, basically he said it on air because Eastern European nations are more civilized than those yeah. in Iraq and Afghanistan and that's why we care about them so uh, he has issued a, an apology but it is you know how many Westerners uh, differentiate between um, wars which are happening in uh, in Yemen I mean Yemen is uh, is the I would say the epicenter of uh, of crimes against humanity for the past 10 years but nobody cares about it mm -hmm. and the same applies to many other areas of the world which are usually in the Middle East or North Africa and nobody talks about it but apparently because uh, you know Russians and Ukrainians are Caucasian or whatever uh, they uh, they carry more gravitas which isn't which is not to say we shouldn't care uh, about the uh, Ukrainians deeply in terms of what's happening it's just no, you're you're course. pointing out the contradictions of yeah yeah uh, yes. and it certainly does make it um, there's times like this where you go I'm really mm -hmm. happy to be Canadian yeah. you know sort of outside yeah. of the theater of war as they say at least in these kind of conflicts uh, Shia the last word to you <laughs> even though you don't have your philosopher's beard anymore <laughs> no I mean you all said I mean the the biggest lesson is that human doesn't learn from history so mm. it's as you said it's a circle and the, I also have a devil part devil living inside me once something happened like this I'm very sad I'm s sympathetic to all like Ukrainian all the victims but sometimes I'm excited that I'm seeing a page of history, you know, mm. <laughs> and so I, I just, it's a devil. I know it's not good, but yeah, sometimes mm. I feel that, oh, this is a part of history that like maybe. It, like is a, it is a part of history. And if I may say something like regardless, uh, and hopefully they will be victorious and Ukraine will like viva Ukraine. But I think Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, has already won this oh. war. Yeah. He won this war. Whether he's, or not Ukraine, what happens, the outcome, I think the decision, the courageous decision he made, he already won oh, the war. Just he's a, yeah, he's a, yeah. a global mm -hmm. symbol now. Um, thank you for this, Mohammed. Always good to have you on the program. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Talk soon. Bye-bye. That's Mohammed Banzapour, the general manager of Persis Media and director of Persis News Agency and a contributing editor with... Uh, Rook Media. Uh, you are listening to Rook and uh, we're coming to you on various platforms, all of which you can link to from our website, rookmedia.com, rookmedia.com, our new updated website, which we invite you to look at. And um, 
Become a patron now. Uh, for ten bucks a month, twenty five bucks a month, five bucks a month, you can support us uh, and our mission and our staying alive by going to our website rookmedia.com and pressing on the support us button. Uh, we love it when you folks have become patrons. And actually, uh, I used to say the names of our patrons on mm-hmm. the air, and then some people said, "Ah, oh, you don't need to say our name." But I want to start doing that again. Mm-hmm. So on the next show, I'm going to start, uh, and and I won't out people if you don't want your name because there's a there's a feature on uh, when you become a patron where you could say don't say my name mm-hmm. i i want to just be a donor i don't want to be a or a subscriber i don't need to be uh celebrated but um but there's some folks who've uh who have um become patrons recently and i'm so grateful i know we all look at the list and we feel good about you guys thank you for that rookmedia.com is where you can support us and become a patron i should also mention in the coming days on rook ali reza Korbani oh, uh, is going to be uh joining us for a feature interview and on noru's we're going to debut a very special version of the Rook theme um, with lyrics performed and recorded by a major artist in the Iranian music world. Hmm. Exciting. Male or female? Uh, you tried this <laughs> last week. Come on, man. You Give tried your sleuthful yo. <laughs> attempt last week. I uh, before Now, we got letters coming up later, yes, right? Yes, yes, we do. Before uh, Javid Jabari comes in the studio, and I'm looking forward to talking to him, um, I have a, uh, a mea culpa. I've got something that I uh, have been saying on the air for the last two years that I'm officially going to change. Oh boy, Mizumbashi? No, no, no. Okay, good. No, Mizumbashi stays. No, no. No, 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 no. All of the sayings stay. No, this is, Keon, you are gonna enjoy this. Oh boy. You are going to enjoy this. We're getting rid of Reza. Sadly, it's not that good. Yeah. Do you see? Do you see the way she treats you? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, after a year and you know almost two years of saying Persian diaspora, it's diaspora. Thank it, you. it has occurred Thank to you. me. Now, hang on, hang on. Wow, that's I'll big. let you have your moment. I'm giving it to you. This is like Finally. a layoff. I'm Finally, giving it, I was waiting for this. I I will confess that I have not found anyone. Uh, who says it the way I say Nobody <laughs> at all. At first, at first, I was pretty sure everybody was wrong except me. <laughs> but it has been a an exercise in humility as I've heard academic after academic and <laughs> expert and whatever say diaspora. What was the last straw? Like, I don't know, man. Honestly, I don't know. I, I think it was it's like maybe so our... Good. Our contemporary history wrong guest last week or something. I just was kind of like, you know what? I really need to let go of this because uh, I've been saying diaspora, uh, and I've been so sure. You know? I haven't been this satisfied since 2006 <laughs> when I when what <laughs> when I arrived in Canada. Right. I you know your grammar is so or your grammar is so impeccable the way yes. you speak everything you. that you actually made me question the way I say it. And then I I thought I, I was no like idea. I am right. Uh, you are right. <laughs> yes. No, this whole you time right. I didn't even so bother good. looking it up. I was I took his word for it. I was like you know it's well right. you know I was at least resting on the idea that there's a couple of ways to say this right and it, and that may be true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad but, you were on the uh, But quest. it seems like, you know, if you're going by the crowd, the crowd is definitely saying diaspora. And I've been fucking saying diaspora for, and I remember, uh, I think it was, um, 
Jane uh, Lewison. Jane Lewison saying, uh, uh, "Yes, a diaspora, as you say, you know." And I was like, <laughs> "Why is she as saying that?" You know? As you say, you know, oh, or as you would call it, the Persian diaspora. And I was like, "Why? Why is she?" Of course, that's what I call it. I mean, what's, what it's, that's the name of it, you know. With your limited English vocabulary, <laughs> she you probably know. thought you have yeah. a Persian accent. That's why you can't pronounce <laughs> it properly. Uh, Persian uh, diaspora. Oh yes, oh, a win for Keon. It just oh. feels wrong and. Yet I am changing it from now on Thank at the top God. of the show. Conversations from to and about the Persian Di- diaspora. <laughs> it actually irked my ears every time you said diaspora. I'm like, Ugh. I remember oh. the first time when you were saying diaspora. I was like, this Keon, <laughs> you know, she just hasn't learned. And she stuck to it. She never backed down. No, because that's true. Diaspora. She never, you never did change. I applaud she, that. Right. Yeah. Good for you, Keon. Mm. Oh. One good thing and right thing you did your entire <laughs> life. Well, thank you. We all have that one thing. <laughs> all right. Well, we're gonna get to a conversation about the per- with a person in the Persian diaspora. Oh, it's so hard for me. Uh, letters coming up. Captain Reza, Groovy Shia, the fabulous Keon. See you in a little bit. Let's get to our feature guest. Uh, bring him in here. Well, it's no secret that the plight of LGBTQ folks in Iran is the most challenging one. You will likely know that discrimination and violence against sexual minorities is prevalent, sometimes state-sanctioned. Indeed, under Islamic law, any type of sexual activity outside of heterosexual marriage is forbidden, punishment by imprisonment, or even death. So being gay in Iran is extremely difficult. But even for those who have left Iran, there are great obstacles to freedom for LGBTQ people in the Iranian diaspora. Think of it, social societal pressures, Persian culture, and the conservative nature of many Persian families can be stifling and isolating and lead many to remain in the closet. My first guest today is out to change that. Javid Japari is the founder and producer of the Persian Drag Show here in Toronto. He's openly gay, proud, and making it his mission to introduce and support LGBTQ culture in the Persian community through all Persian drag shows that include lip syncing, fabulous costumes, traditional dance, and comedy on stage. Javid was born and raised in Iran, came to Canada about seven years ago, and is not only the founder of Persian Drag Show, but one of its popular performers and to discuss his story the state of homosexuality and homophobia in the Iranian community today Javid Jabari joins me in the Rook studio right now hello hi how's it going it's really nice to have you here uh, it's my honor to be here I've known Thank you, you so for a much. while but right? I get to, we get to do the interview <laughs> I feel like I should take your order right now. <laughs> I should, ex- we should explain <laughs> yeah right exactly <laughs> uh, you've worked at a couple of Persian restaurants which is where, where I first got to meet you in Toronto mm-hmm. uh, I mean as I think I've told you you're impossible to to uh, miss you're thank you. tall and handsome and, uh, and interesting thanks. and um, so I believe this is your your first interview you've ever done in English in English yes yes this is the very first one well, so I'm, I'm honored uh, oh it's my honor and, and uh, I'm so happy that it's with you because I I know you and like you're a kind person and you're not gonna yeah. Wait till the end of the interview. Uh, oh, let's right. see how kind I am. <laughs> um, let me let me let's get into the, the let's just jump right into the Persian drag show. Tell me about when you made the decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it was almost three years ago to create the first Persian drag show in Toronto. You know, it was uh, three years ago. If you remember, uh, it was uh, snowing on uh, Halloween, mm-hmm. so we were not able to go out. And you know, I usually go to. 
to the church street when uh, when it's Halloween and you know with a which is bit. by the way a, a, a popular gay area in Toronto. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, you know that year we were not able to go there and uh, because of uh, it was snowing and we were just uh, hanging out with a couple of friends uh, in uh, my place and you know. After a couple of shots, they were like, oh, there's a uh, Persian uh, Halloween party we should go. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm in drag and like Persian people, they're going to hit me or something, you know. And uh, they were like, you know, it's Toronto. It's fine. Let's just go there. And we went there. <laughs> I'm telling you, the, the moment I left my car, I was like, okay, be prepared. Like, it's going to be a terrible night for you. Mm. But as soon as we passed You this, expected Persians to to not be tolerant. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Because, you know, I spent more than 26 years of my life in Iran. In Iran and, you right. know, anyway. Uh, but as soon as I passed the security guard, like people started to come to me and taking pictures and giving me compliments mm-hmm. and they were like oh and they as soon as they realized i'm persian they were like oh no that's not possible like <laughs> you're not persian it's <laughs> like yes i'm i can speak farsi with you <laughs> why would they say it's not possible you think i th- they never seen us mm. they, they never seen the L- persian lgbt community before that's mm. why they were mm. shocked like and you so know you, they 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 think it's just for people who are not Persian. That's the way they think, which is kind of ridiculous. But it is ridiculous because um, most people, notwithstanding ridiculous comments by uh, Ahmadinejad or whatever in the past, mm-hmm. most people know that there's a gay community in Iran. I mean, it, it wouldn't. Uh, but you're right; it hasn't always been visible, even in, in the diaspora. Mm-hmm. So, for, first of all, how how was the rest of that night then? It was great. It was great. That was the very the first time that, that I went on stage, and I was shocked by the, you know, the amount of love there that they they were giving me, and they were super supportive. And as I said, they took me to the stage, and I was like, I don't know what to do here. <laughs> like, should I dance? Like, per, do the Persian dancing in drag, mm. or what should I do? But so, but sorry, by implication, it's interesting what you're saying. So so you're. Um, you're you're out. You're gay. You're mm-hmm. you're you've you were doing drag on Church Street, but you never had associated that with doing that in the Persian community. No, you would sort all. of separate those things in your own life. You know, after I left uh, Iran, living in Iran as a gay guy is not easy. So when I moved to Turkey and I was a refugee there, uh, I, you know, I I I just felt like. Even here in Turkey, if I hang out with Persian people and they realize I'm gay, they, they're going to ignore me. Mm. And that was the moment that I decided to just like not hanging out with Persian people anymore. I mean, with a couple of friends for sure, but not with like, I, I, I didn't start making new Persian friends anymore. So even despite the big Persian community in Toronto, when you come six or seven years ago, you actually sought out other communities? You didn't want to hang out with the Persians? As I said, when you spend 26 years of your life in such a country like Iran... You're traumatized. Exactly. So I I was like, okay, I, I, I was hearing that like uh, Persian people in Toronto are different. And I was scared to mm-hmm. even get close to them. Mm-hmm. 
and with a couple of my <laughs> experiences with them like uh, work wise mm-hmm. I was like okay so <laughs> I should keep the distance mm. and what kind of experiences work wise uh Let's. I don't want to. <laughs> don't have to name names, but uh, no, know. not at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the only thing I want to say is, uh, it's it's heartbreaking that Persian people think that uh, the people who are coming from Iran, they should get paid, not fairly, uh-huh. because. They think it's too much for them. They have a different standard for yeah, their our exactly. own fellow Iranians. Exactly. Yeah. You know, as a, <laughs> as I said, like the very first paycheck I got in here as a server, you know, so when you do this kind of job, mm-hmm. you make lots of money. But the very first paycheck I got, it was just two hundred and fifty dollars, and I was like, for oh, how long? For how much? For work? two weeks. <laughs> for yeah. two weeks and S- slave wages. <sighs> So, but yeah, that's separate from being gay. That's just being Iranian. You know, just imagine. I was like, okay, that they don't know I'm gay. <laughs> They're right, treating right. me like this. Just imagine if they realize that uh, I'm a gay person. Because it's, you know, uh, Iranian people, they think, not all of them, not all of them, but most of them, in my experience, they mm. think that if someone is gay, it's stupid. And they can, like, do whatever oh. they want to do, which is not true, <laughs> you know. Really, they think someone who's gay is, is stupid. Most you think of that them, it's Most a reflection on the intellect. Even? Most of them, you know, the the, the um, you know, the only gay people they saw in Iran are, unfortunately, they're uh, they're the people who saw on the streets, mm. you know, and uh, they usually don't even have. They're homeless, and not necessarily educated or whatever. No, no, I, and they think that oh, that's gay. If someone is gay, it's like them. You know, there is nothing wrong with them either, but... Right, you know. it, it plays into some kind of stereotype or mm-hmm. generalization. This, this, so this fun night, back to the Persian drag show, the fun, fun night you have three years ago at the at the Halloween, <sighs> you turn it into um, something of a mission. And, and, and you've talked about how you want to help other kids who may be gay, LGBTQ, mm-hmm. in the Persian community not go through what you went through as a kid. Mm-hmm. First of all, how can a Persian drag show help with that do you think i think as i said i believe that uh, people are scared of us just because they haven't seen us you know as much as the you know the in toronto there are uh, drag shows they're like uh, you go on church street and there is a gay village and you know it's easy to uh, to see the lgbt community but j- just imagine persian people they, they i don't think they they're not familiar with us. And seeing the drag show would do what? It would, it would, you know, people would realize it's fun, and the and you're just like, you know, I mean, what? Tell me, you tell know, me what that, you're thinking is drag challenge. Their, uh, you know, all the things are they have in their minds. You know, all that setup that it's in their mind that like uh, this is a man and this is a woman, mm-hmm. and if you're a man, you should do the, you shouldn't do this, and if you're a woman, you shouldn't do other stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, but when they come to drag show, they're like, oh no, that's that's not true. Mm. 
you know, and I, I think that 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 helps. Do you think that I mean, because I've heard you say in one of the interviews you've done in Persian, <laughs> uh, you you've ta also talked about like like you know you you really want the Persian community to get over any of these taboos and realize that members of the LGBTQ community, of course, are just like everybody else. You work, you work out, you you have a life, you have kids, you have whatever it is. Does the is there a danger that the drag show plays into? Uh, a differencing of you and making it that makes you somehow oh these are people who just dress up and do put on wild costumes as opposed to being like everybody else quote unquote you know you know uh, when you start something when you're first uh, I'm not the first Persian drag queen but you know I'm I'm one of the very first Persian drag queens who are out mm. you know uh, so you, you you expect some negative stuff yes, at the beginning yes. but by the time you know that like it's gonna get better and better and better so what did, i look at it that way did you have um trouble finding a venue when you do persian drag shows mostly you know persian performances for people who are not iranians they tend to take place in large restaurants usually mm -hmm. uh, um our restaurant, our Persian restaurants, even in Toronto, you, you would like to think are more liberal or progressive. Are they open to hosting Persian drag shows? I think they are now, but not uh, three years ago when I started doing this. I really had a hard time to find a venue. We started doing the drag shows in, in the restaurants, and one of the restaurants that, that I was working for them, and I went to them and I said, yo, I'm gonna have a drag show uh, for Sunday. And they were like, oh, where is it? We're gonna support you, we're gonna go, <laughs> we're gonna be there. And I was like, uh, is it possible to do it here? And I said, like, no, hmm. not in here. But wherever, if you if you find a we'll place- We'll support you as long as you exactly. don't do it here. <laughs> yeah. oh. I was like, oh, that's not the support. Oh. That's, that, you're gonna come and enjoy your night. <laughs> and what do you think that th their fear is? I believe if, uh, they think that it's gonna uh, bother their business. They don't want to uh, have a label on them by the name of LGBT community mm -hmm. because they think the Persian people are gonna ignore them, ignore their business. That's why. But, and but, is there uh, any evidence that that's no, true? No, 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 that's not true. Huh. That's not true. I, so what? when you start doing this, what kind of feedback do you get from the Persian community? You know, at, uh, before they see it, because they never seen it, that, you know, it's it's heartbreaking that Persian people, they never seen a drag queen, uh, which is not a true, it's not true because like they, they seen haven't it. even seen Priscilla Queen of the Desert or something. They haven't seen. I mean, they did, but they they have no idea what it is. Like, uh, well, we, uh, we have uh, this amazing performer. His name is Hutan. Yes. You know, but he never comes and explained the uh, uh, art that he's doing to people. Mm. He doesn't care, like, if people get it or not. But, you know, so, yeah. So Persians are not, you, they, they don't know what to expect, and then what? And then after the, uh, they see it for the first time, as soon as it's done, they're like, when is the next one? You know, I've always found the, the relationship with the, I mean, the homophobia, even amongst people I've known, that yeah, like, usually expressed through like little jokes like, you know, Persian guys will go, yeah, are you putting your hand on mine? Or, you know, make some sort of comment. I've always found it funny because 
we're a culture where like men dance with each other at parties and <laughs> do air kisses when they see each other. You know what I mean? It's like a, of all the cultures, you know, I, I would think, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a very strange contradiction. Mm -hmm. How do you make sense of that? Uh, you know, as you said, Persian people are, <laughs> you look, I, I remember one of my friends from Turkey, the, uh, he came to Iran and there was a wedding party that we went to and he was like, yo, is, is it a gay club here or is it a wedding? <laughs> right, right. Like, non-Persians think we're all gay. <laughs> I know. A, which, you know, it's great. I mean, it's like, okay, you guys have a gay, yeah. gay culture. But right? uh, for Persian guys, they think if, like, if someone thinks they're gay, that means they're a woman. Mm. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's that mentality in their head. And, you know, which is nothing wrong with being a woman, but, you know, we have pretty uh, strongly defined gender rule and gender expectations still exactly. in our community. Well, tell me about Yagut, uh, that translates into ruby. Ruby mm -hmm. is your your other person, your, your alter never, ego. Yeah. I never look at it as the ruby. It's always to me as Yagut. Okay, Yagut. Yeah, even the ruby is, is just who like, is Yagut? Yagut is uh... <laughs> <laughs> no. That, it's where not that where can I meet it's her? Not, no, <laughs> the Persian director only. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I'm not sure if you did have that or not, but I, in most of the Persian uh, families, there is a khale that your mom doesn't want to hang out <laughs> with you because, <laughs> because, so, because she's super open-minded uh -huh. and she's like, she doesn't care about what people say. Uh -huh. So. That's Yagut. That's Yagut. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and and, uh, and do I you... don't want to say it's, she's rude. No, she's rock. She's rock. She, she's rock. Uh, she's not rude. Uh, and is it, how do you feel when you are Yagut? I feel powerful. Mm. Yeah. I feel like Yagut can say the stuff that I'm not able to say as Javid. You know, she has that power. Mm. So if Yagut had been uh, a flight attendant for Turkish Airlines, <laughs> <laughs> you you, you could have spoken to some of the passengers right. in a in a in a different way, perhaps. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, you. She's so smart, though. She's so smart. She's so smart. She's so smarter than me. She's smarter than you. Yeah, she is. Why is that? What what makes her smarter than you? Because she doesn't care that what people say uh. about her. So you wish you you cared less about mm -hmm. what people think. Mm -hmm. I'm, tr you know, it's easy to learn something, but it's hard to unlearn something, mm. you know. And and all the years that I spent in Iran, I was learned that you shouldn't speak your mind loudly, mm. and you shouldn't you should care about what other what are other people say about your life. You know, it's it's a huge part of our culture, unfortunately. Yeah. And it's been more than, I think, five years that I'm working on it. And, you know, it's better now, but still. I mean, still. since you bring it up, let's talk about your time in Iran. You were you were in Tehran and, and Karaj as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know that you've said it was in school in Iran that you first got a feeling that you were, as you've described it, different. Mm -hmm. uh, Describe how. how, what happened at school that made you realize that? You know, in Iran, we go to school separately 
all boys together, all girls together. And when you're with like all this kind of different boys and you feel like my hobbies are different, my mm. interests and, and stuff are different, that makes you feel like, oh, maybe, maybe it's something wrong with me because look at all of them. They have the same, uh, you know, hobbies and stuff, but mine are different. That's that but, was. But when I'm I guessing started... you, you probably didn't know what that meant. No, you no, just no, knew no, no, that no. I'm somehow yeah, yeah. exactly. Before that, the, just imagine I was a kid, like, uh, and in our family, I was the only guy in my dad's side's family. Mm. In my mother's side, it was just my cousin, my pasar khale. So we were just two boys in uh, in the family, and we grew up together. And he's one years uh, younger than me. That was the only guys I was, and it was your cousin who actually first yes. said you, you, told you you might be gay, right? Yes, yeah. Not in a in a no, weird no, no. way, but you know, no. how how did that happen? What did he say? Uh, you know, as I said, we used to play games together, and uh, he was the only friend I had back in the day, and we were super close. We were super close and he was always being super nice and kind and you know that he's the only the, he was one of the guys who made me start thinking that all the straight guys are not horrible mm-hmm. because he was kind and uh, he was super caring um, so he was seeing you know some signs but he was not sure that if that's me or not uh, I think it was around the age of, I was at grade three. Oh, wow. It was yeah. Quite young. I was at grade three. So like eight that, years old or something. Nine. 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 Okay. He was eight. I was nine. Okay. And uh, he came to me and he was like, oh, uh, I think uh, I found people like you. And I was like, what do you mean by uh, like me? Like, what is wrong with me? And he was like, no, it's like, I'll show you. And I was like, okay, fine. Let's see what <laughs> what you saw. And you know, back in the day in Iran, with the satellites, there was a couple uh, channels that they were advertising for porn uh, and gay gay porn. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, no, no, no. no it was It was just porn. <laughs> okay. It was a cha- It was not even porn. It was just a channel that was advertising for other channels uh-huh. that you have you had to pay for them. Right. And, <laughs> So it was not like totally porn, but uh, yeah, uh, he saw two guys are kissing. Uh, that was what he saw. And he was like, I think that's you. And the moment I saw that, I was like, oh, the first thing came in my mind. It was like, oh, I'm not alone. Because before that, I thought like, it's just me. Like I, ne- I never knew that other people can have the same feelings. And you you did you weren't mad at your cousin or you didn't no. say what are you saying no. or right no 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 it's no. incredible that he did no. this oh. I mean, no it kind of is like it's sort of it's sort of beautiful like he's like trying to he's saying you know i i think i found somewhere where you know maybe you you know he's doing this from a supportive place right, right? yeah so, you know if, uh, i mean he's if, a kid if, himself and mm-hmm. he's you know instead of sort of seeing saying oh you're different i don't want to be your cousin whatever i mean mm-hmm. it's uh, uh that's quite a story i was so lucky and uh, to be honest with you it uh, if it was someone else i could get a little bit mad but it just because 
it was him and I knew him and you know he's not gay he's not gay no. where is he now he's in Australia <laughs> yeah okay. he's married okay. <laughs> yeah does he do you now. talk to I mean he must be very proud of you that you've sort of blossomed into this he is wow yeah yeah. So um, then you so you find some comfort from this these gay porn advertisements. Do you ever do you, uh, <laughs> Such a do you rain, actually though. watch the the gay porn? No, you couldn't see that in your. Yeah, as I said, it was not it gay even, porn. It was, it, it was just advertising, and you had to pay for the, the actual channel, right? And which you didn't have do, money, right. <laughs> right. but you do find comfort in a in a gay messenger group. Yes, on Yahoo. Yeah. It was a couple years after that. Uh, I think I was around 13 years old. And, uh, you know, it was super popular to have a Yahoo account back in the day and go online and chat with other people. You know, it was, I, I'm not, I don't know about here, but in Iran, it was a huge thing. Mm. Like, oh my God, internet, we can be connected with this other would be people. Like early 2000s. I think so, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, I remember one day I was going through the the rooms and the only thing I knew it was the word gay from that advertisement. Mm. That was all I knew, like nothing else. You and and by this time in your early teens you haven't talked to anybody about this no, or anything. No, no, not at just, all. Just just your cousin and Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because we knew that like uh, it's a bad thing, oh. you know. Uh, and, and we shouldn't talk Quote, about unquote, it. Bad thing. Yeah. 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 And uh, you just did air quotes. A lot of our audience is listening to this on a podcast. Right, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't actually think it was a bad thing. No, like, right, right, no. Right, right. Yeah. And uh, that was when uh, when I was uh, going through all these rooms, I realized that one of them it called gay room. I scared. <laughs> I shut the system down. I, I, I thought they're going to shut come. the computer. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I was still in Iran and. I you thought scared. even just looking into at the going into this group, they maybe. thought that they're gonna find our house and come to you know harass me. Wow! So I just turned everything off and I couldn't sleep that night. I was waiting for the coffee net uh, in our area to uh, be open so I can go there and check what the what, oh. what is that and like an internet cafe you would yes, go to. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And you know I thought if police comes there i can be like it wasn't me like there are other people here too they're searching this thing you know uh, i was but you were interested enough that you, you couldn't stop thinking about yeah it. and i remember i went there and the, the very first moment i opened that um gay room uh i was shocked by the amount of persian people who were in that room mm. and they were all like representing Persian LGBT community. Mm. And it was so funny. I thought like, oh, maybe they're just in Tehran. But, uh, you know, in the rooms, they were like, if someone was from Mashhad, they were like, I'm from Mashhad. Is anybody from Mashhad? Let's talk. Let's right, be right. friends and this sort of thing. Again, the first thing came in my mind. I was like, oh, great. I'm not alone. Yeah. There are other people in Iran. Yeah. They're, they're like me. So that was the very first thing that came to my mind. And I started chatting with one of them. I can't even rem remember his name, but I was, he was asking weird questions, uh, not in a bad way. Like there were some uh, 
so, sort of words. I don't know what does that mean. So I, I just was like, uh, okay, I'm, I'm pretty amateur in this. Mm. So yeah, could you explain to me what, what you're asking? Masalanchi, what, what, you know. Like, what's your position? And like, uh -huh. are you top or bottom? <laughs> and it's like, right. what top or <laughs> bottom? I'm, right. I'm at the middle, I think. <laughs> right. This sort of thing. And uh, yeah, he started to explain everything. And he was like, if you feel like this, you're belong to this group if you feel like this if you want to be a woman you're a transsexual and if you're if not you're right, fine with right. your sexuality and all these things he started to explain that and thanks god he did because no there is no other resources that you can go and mm. you know search about this thing right there's no community center or bar or something not like that. Yeah, yeah. no yeah, no no yeah. Bar? We don't no, have I, I, bar. I, I, no. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> we have to make you fun of me. I'm just explaining that there's no <laughs> Church Street bar in Tehran that you can yeah. go and hang out at it. Unfortunately, not. Uh, but uh, I mean, there's got to be underground places where the community gathers, which you then. I didn't know about at that uh, time, and uh, I remember the very. Uh, I was like, okay, I got, I gotta see these people. I want to see them. So I, uh, I, I went on a date with uh, with a person that I didn't even have a pictures, nothing. I just trusted whatever he said. Mm -hmm. And I remember I went to the Angelaba Square and I, I saw him there, and I was a little bit scared <laughs> because it was not what he described. Oh. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> He didn't look the way you would thought. No, right. no. So I was like, okay, <laughs> you know what? My mom is waiting for me. I thought I should go home. Well, speaking was, of your mom, I mean, mm -hmm. where where was your family in all this? I mean, did you, um, basically, when did you come out to your family? A couple of years ago, here. Not uh, even, you know, by, by Persian drag show, actually. Really? Yes, yeah. You hadn't told your, your family at all? No, no. I, you know, uh, it's not possible for parents to not be known that their kid is gay or lesbian or whatever. It's not possible because when when we are kids, we don't have any walls between what we actually are with mm. the, the environment around mm -hmm. us, right? So they can see that, but they ignore it. Not only they ignore that, they, they try to put a lid on it and be like, mm -hmm. oh, don't do this. Don't right. talk like this. We don't found want. you a, a wife. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And uh, that was what it was going on with me and my family. They, uh, they knew that I'm gay, but they didn't know what they should do with me, you know. And I kind of. I kind of understand them, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, but having a gay kid and putting a lid on his sexuality and be like, you don't know, don't be like this because if you go out there, they're going to hurt you. Mm. It's, it's not the solution. But, mm -hmm. you know, what else you can say right now? You end up doing Sarbozy, mil yes. military yes. service, yeah. you know, which I is was mandatory so lucky. anyway. Yeah. Right? yeah, I was so lucky because physically, I, as the, you know, the first thing you said, I walked into the studio, you were like, oh, you're tall. Yeah. You know, physically, I look like a you know masculine guy, and like. Well, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, when you, you was it a couple of years you did military service? It was two years. Two I years. Did, I did that for two and years. Obviously, you can't be out. You know, no, as, as not you at all. 
especially it was in Sepaya Pastoran. What does that mean? They're the most uh, religious. Ah, right. Yeah. So that's the, why. Do you're, were you scared? I mean, that, or do you just, of course. Not, you suppress it so much that it, it's not even going to come up. You just act like a macho guy who's, you know. You know, there, there was no other way to survive. Wow. You know, even at the school, uh, this is what I learned in, in school, you know, in the very first years at the school. Uh, I learned that, okay, if I be myself, they're going to beat me after the school. So I should put a mask on and be this macho guy with all of them. And, you know. Did that ever happen? Did you ever get? Of course. Of course. You got bullied because they. Yeah. Because I was different. So you learned to act mm -hmm. stereotypical straight or something. Yeah. And by the time I went to the army, I knew that like, okay, there's no way that they should know that you're gay. Otherwise, they're going to give you a hard time. I mean, look, the the story of being in the closet in, in, is a universal one in terms of the difficulties, the challenges um, gay folks, LGBTQ folks in, in the West have faced as well. Mm-hmm. But this added um, incredibly horrifying element with, when it comes to Iran that mm-hmm. um, you can actually be sentenced to death. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not it's not just that you're going to be, you know, shamed or or ha- have trouble or even bullied. It's that it's that you are you're going to be contravening the law. Right, right. right. And, uh, you know, it's not easy for me to go back all the, and uh, look at all the years that I spent in Iran. But I, uh, I still do it because I, I believe that if someone is watching us or is hearing us and it's in the same situation, it, it would be helpful for them. Unfortunately, in Iran, being in the closet, it's the safest place that you can be at. Like, at least for when you're not with your family. I'm not talking about that. That's, uh, you know, when you go out and uh, you uh, in your workplace or in the army or at school, being in, in the closet, it's the safest place, unfortunately. Are you are you angry no. about your having to go through that in Iran? No, I'm not angry. Why not? I'm not angry. Why are you not angry? Uh, anger is not the solution. You know, I always think about like whatever, the, you know, I had a really, really hard time as a the gay Persian Muslim guy in Iran, but, uh, you know, uh, by being angry about it, nothing, it's not helpful. It's mm-hmm. not helpful. But I think we should think that what we should do now so to help. other kids don't, uh, they don't experience what we did. Are you a practicing Muslim? Yes. You are? Yes. Uh, uh, not, that, not, that, not, you know, not Persian Muslim, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only Persians know what that means. <laughs> so you don't oh, hang I, out at the mosque. No, you, yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 but, not like But that. it is interesting. It, I think there's folks listening, mm-hmm. uh, especially non-Iranians, who would find that very interesting. A gay Persian drag queen Muslim. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But, you know, I love my religion. It's such a beautiful religion. You know, Islam is not... The same religion that is used to say you need to be sentenced to death. I don't for, think they, uh, they say... Islam doesn't say that. No, whether Islam says that or not, Islam is used by 
the current right. regime or yeah. whatever to say that, right? Yeah. Um, but that doesn't stop you from. You being, know, the 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 kind of Muslim I am. It's so different from the kind of Muslim these people are in uh, yeah. who are like running the country, unfortunately, yeah. right now. Yeah. It's so different. But as, as I said, it comes from my mom because she's such a re religious person. And, you know, she even wears the hijab and everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I look at her, I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. It's like she never bothers anyone. She never hurted anyone. And it, she's super careful even by the words that she says she doesn't want anyone to get hurt. Mm. So that's the kind of Islam that I I really like. Wow. And, uh, and is I, she supportive of you now in terms of being uh, yes, she and is. gay? And yes, she is. Yeah. Mm. There is a picture of me and her uh, in my last uh, visit of Iran. It belongs to four years ago. And we are in the airport and she is wearing all this, you know, mm. rusari and hijab mm. and everything and hugging her uh, gay son and you can see the the mm -hmm. you know the bright and her eyes that she's super proud of me and mm -hmm. that's i mean i it's that's I, I get you know my dad was the same way my dad mm -hmm. prayed for most of his life to you know he was a practicing muslim um at the, at the same time, you know, hated what uh, the Islamic Republic or and you know, and, Islam and, is and was a very liberal thinker and you know was very, so um, again for I, I think you know there's a I think it's, it's it's one of those things that it's hard to explain to non-Iranians mm -hmm. you know who would sort of think well what do you mean if you're you know you're either Muslim or you're not and isn't that called the the Islamic Republic and what does that mean. But uh, uh, that means they're liars, and they're like, what? They they, they just use Islam as something to control people and do, and do all these horrible things mm -hmm. they want to do. You know, the pure Islam, it's it's totally different. Mm. You know, I saw that, and you know, as I said, I grew up in Iran. I, I spent twenty six years of my uh, life there, and you know. I remember the, the the very first thing I heard about a Muslim person is that you shouldn't even bother your neighbor. Mm. You know, just see how beautiful is that. I don't believe there the this religion says that like you should kill someone just because they're different. You know, these are the stuff that they added on this religion. Tell me, and, and of course you don't drink. I do. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell me about the decision to to leave Iran, uh, to go to Turkey. Mm -hmm. it, it was obviously, by the sounds of it, you you would have wanted to get out. Mm -hmm. um, what finally led you to be able to do that? Being in the age of uh, being in your twenties and seeing that there is no way that you can survive from all this crap in Iran and having a car is a dream for people you know for a 26 years old person it was a dream to have a car and I was like okay so how long I can take this mm. it's not possible and plus all the other stuff that it was coming just because I was gay like um, I remember I was working for uh, a company that they were not doing very good at that time and the first thing they started was getting rid of all the single people 
they were like, okay, you don't need a job just because you're single. <laughs> and I was like, okay, but I still need to pay for my rent. I mm. still, you know, all I, I still have all these expenses, but they were like, no, you're single. And unfortunately, we are not able to have you in this company anymore. And I tell about it like, okay, okay I'm 26. And they, they're doing something like this to me. Just imagine I'm like 40, I'm, when I'm in my 40s right. and after working for a company for like 20 years, they, they get rid of me this easy just because I'm single. Like there was no other ways that I could like marry it or anything. Yeah, one of the saddest things that a lot of people say sometimes on this program too is beyond all the, the difficulties that we talk about in terms of contemporary Iran, is just the feeling among young people, this nihilistic feeling of, of no future. Yes. Uh, the, which leads to just like, fuck it, let's go to the mountain and do drugs or whatever, you know. Uh, but w we basically have no future. Mm -hmm. uh, it's devastating. It it's is. It's devastating. It is. I remember the, it was a day that, you know, uh, because I, my dad uh, used to work for Iran Airlines. So uh, we were always traveling and going to the different countries and uh, to the West, too? to Europe, to Europe, to okay. Europe. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I remember when I was uh, before the army, my there was a whisper going around of like, we should just send Javi to like somewhere else because it's not uh, easy to the believe that he's going to survive in Iran. And I was like, no, no, I want to come. I want to be here. I don't want to go out and live, uh, you know, over the seas. Your preference over would have seas. been to stay. Yes. Yeah. But over yeah. the seas, it was just for fun for me for just, mm. I couldn't handle for two more than two weeks. Living over the seas was not something acceptable for me. How did it feel when you got to Turkey? Did you, was that suddenly liberating or, or was it, mm. uh, I mean, Turkey's somehow a middle ground between what you would find in Canada and what you find in Iran with respect to LGBTQ, right? I mean, I, legally, it's your, your, you can be gay, but um, what did you find there? You know, it's totally opposite of what I, I've seen in Iran. In Iran, uh, I think Persian people if they get educated and they, they you know, and they, uh, you explain to them that we are not monsters and that we are just people mm -hmm. like other people, they accept us. They accept us, the people. But the government is like, no, no, uh, you shouldn't be Turkey's killed. Turkey is the opposite. It's, of it's totally the opposite way. The government, uh, there is no law that uh, they can. Uh, you don't feel like the Turkish people would accept you? No, they did not. They did not. I, I was in Turkey, I lived in Turkey for 28 months. And, uh, you know, the, lots of horrible stuff happened when I was living in uh, Turkey, even though I'm a, you know, I'm a uh, muscular looking guy. And uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's not easy for someone to just come to your face and punch you on, on the face. But that happened just because they realized that I was gay. So how has it felt in Canada over the last few years? How, how do you feel? You, we talked a bit, a bit about this. Over, even you talked about the last three years, the difference you've seen. How do you feel the Persian community here is progressing in terms of the acceptance of, 
of the LGBTQ community within our community? Mm -hmm. The first few years that, that after I moved here, I was away from them because, uh, you know, I didn't want to be um, close to the Persian community because I was scared. I was scared that, you know, all the stuff that had happened in Iran is going to happen here again. And uh, so I uh, for two years, I was not even getting close to them. But after two years, uh, when I when we started drag show and when people started to come to the drag show and I see that, oh, see, they're nice Persian people mm. as well, the, who they're they gay friendly and they're fine and they don't care who you are. They just want to have like great time and great conversations. And I was like, oh, that's great. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, when you say when you say you're scared that you don't want things to happen the way they did before, does your mind go to a specific thing, an incident? Do you, is there some something that you think of when you talk about uh, you, you lots of things let's say lots like, of like, things like, I mean, you know the arguments that i always had with like even with my friends mm. and uh, about lgbt community like most of them they didn't they didn't, uh, they didn't know that i'm gay but i was always bringing this uh topic to the conversations and they were they were horrible about it and they were like oh no it's disgusting and i was I didn't want to hear all those things again. Uh -huh. It's funny that that's where your mind goes. It's not getting punched in the face or whatever. It's the attitudes that yes. cut, that cut yeah. even deeper, right? Yeah. You know, the punch in the face after a week, you're going to forget that, you know, the bruise going to go away and the, the, you're not the, in pain anymore. But, you know, the stuff you hear, they can hurt you more and, you know, that. It's deeper. I mean, what you would expect is that the, you know, say the Persian community in Canada now, you know, in Toronto, which is quite large, it, that the, 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 the older folks are more intolerant, the younger folks are more open-minded. Is, is that generally true? Is that what I don't think so. Uh -huh. I don't think so. If you look at our shows, the very first uh, uh, aisle, it's always taken by, by the old folks, and they enjoy it, and they love it. They love it. So interesting. Yeah. You know, I think, as I said again, the only reason that people are scared, it's because uh, they think that we are dangerous for them. Like, if it's someone's gay, it's going to turn me gay as well. But that's so that's a mentality. It's obscene to me that, like, a, you know, a 29-year-old Iranian who's living in Toronto now would still have that attitude. Yeah. <sighs> Do you feel on some level like you have to be an activist? In other words, that conversation that you had with your friend a couple of years ago where he said, well, listen, what what are they going to say in 50 years from My now? My partner. Oh, it's your partner. Okay. I mean, in a way, do you feel like you can't just be Javid, you know, and, and I go, am. You, I am the Javid. Like, no, I, no, no, I, no. You are Javid, but that you have to also try and help things. Um, it, you're, you're out, you're gay, you're strong, and you have the ability to help. But I almost feel like... That's too much work or something. Well, not that it's too much work, but like it's like it's, it's, it's not fair that you have to be... In a, you, 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 this, this is the, a burden that you have to carry. It's like, you know, all you know, black people having to deal with, you know, to teach people about racism. It's, you know, it's like, why is this left to you? But do you feel like it's, you have some kind of responsibility? I think we all have. 
we all have. Like, if I don't do anything, who's going to do it? Mm. No one. Before I started doing drag, I always had this interest in me, and but I was not doing it just because I was like, oh, what people going to say? And it brought me to that moment that I thought like, okay, if I don't do it, who else is going to do like mm-hmm. everyone has this all these fears and uh, they all uh, you know you can't be like okay no you're not you don't have any rights to be in just live your life mm. but if you can you should do it i think is your partner persian no <laughs> no <laughs> what is what does he make of the persian community uh, can i ask what his background is what's his he's canadian oh he's canadian, he's canadian. Okay. yeah um the very first thing he says if uh we're going somewhere he's like okay it's the timing actual timing or <laughs> it's <laughs> right a way bigger problem than homophobia <laughs> we persian time yeah we can't uh, get somewhere on time he yeah. call it um ps T Persian standard time oh. timing. <laughs> you know, my greatest know. my greatest vice girl. I mean, one of the horrible things I hate about myself is is I've been late. You know, uh, mm-hmm. for things th- throughout my life, and it was so liberating when I found out it's in our fucking DNA. I'm just a Persian. <laughs> I know. I, I think <laughs> it's, it's, it's like everybody. In fact, I'm there sooner than most Persians. You know, I couldn't believe I would go to a concert and everybody's nobody's there yet. You know, it's I like. Know. A, I know. <laughs> I used to be a bit late all the time. And, you know, I think it's the adrenaline that you get. What else? It's been such a pleasure talking to you. When, oh, the, you. If I think about the Persian drag show, I was thinking, why, why don't you do a touring version of that? Like, would you ever take that on the road? <sighs> that was our very first plan. But uh, when we started doing this, it was right before COVID. Uh. The second event and the third event, the second event was in Montreal that it got canceled because of COVID. Right. And right after that, it was another uh, event for Persian New Year in Toronto, here in Toronto, that got canceled too. And it's hard to plan for things of these course, days. And course. you know, the, the only support I have is my pocket and everything comes out of my own pocket. So it's, it's not easy to, mm you know, risk, mm. but I just feel like it would be great. It'd be great to have the Persian yes, drag yeah, that, show mm-hmm. touring around, you know, so even North America, you know, go and do it in Vancouver, do it in LA, do it in you Pittsburgh, I don't know, you know, do it in New York. Yeah. You believe it or not, but this is the only way that we can do it because, uh, we are all living in the different countries now. We're uh-huh. all like as a, a Persian LGBT community, we are not all in t- Toronto. And uh, some of us are living in Europe, the others are living in US. And the first thing came in my mind was like, okay, instead of bringing all of them to Toronto, you know, I'm just one person, I can go to the other sure, cities sure. and, uh, you know, yeah. involve them to the show. Yeah. So we will have that very soon after I, the pandemic uh, is over. I can't wait to come to the shows. I can't, and, I, oh, thank and you. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm a little disappointed that Yalut wasn't here. Oh, next time. I was looking forward next to meeting time. her as well. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> next time, thank you for this, Javi. Thank you. Thank you. It was such an honor. Javi Jabari, the founder and producer of the Persian Drag Show here in Toronto. He joined me in the Rook studio today. 
fabulous Keon back in the studio, Captain Rez on Groovy Shy, Mike's on. Uh, how about that, Javid? Wow, he's awesome. Yeah. Man. He's fantastic. Boy, he said a lot of interesting things. Yeah. I really appreciated, first of all, I really appreciated he, he telling the story of what it was like in Iran for him mm. and the fact that he was in the army. Mm. Uh, and what really moved me was that uh, just a few minutes ago we were saying um, uh, it wasn't, it's not physical bullying. It's somebody, it's the things that people will say. Those are the scars that, yeah. that he was so yeah. traumatized by that he didn't even want to mix with the Iranian community when he came to Canada first because he was worried that he'd have to deal with that same sort of judgment and shame. Yeah, and he, I, I just, my heart goes out to Javid, you know, just talking about his upbringing in Iran and how hard it is for someone who's homosexual in that country. I've been there and I've, you know, I have a gay family member and just seeing the language that was used around him and, you know, people in the streets would laugh at him and make fun. It, it's just horrible. Mm. It's horrible what they have to go through. So, um, so much power, so much respect for him. Um, it, he's yeah. had quite a quite a journey. Well said, yeah. Reza? Well, I'm, I'm just so proud of him, man. And so, uh, b because it, it's, it's the fact that he's so understanding of what the problem is, I think, the fundamental issue that uh, the, the community, our community, has, has rejected the LGBTQ. And it's the lack of understanding, lack of knowledge, not knowing them. He said it, he's like, they don't know us. Mm. And that is very, very true. And I see that, and I've seen that firsthand, like family members who've, who've, who've confronted, who've talked to my friends who are part of the LGBT community in a certain way, but as soon as they found out they were gay or lesbians, mm. they changed their mannerism and behavior. Mm, and I yeah. saw that, mm. like, personally. It's uh, it's a sad state of affair, but it's a work in progress. And I applaud, I applaud Javid and all the LGBTQ community who are putting these shows out there. Mm -hmm. For not only this is not only entertainment. I highly recommend people go see Have these shows. They're so, so much, much fun. fun. So Love much them. fun. Uh, yeah, I yeah. went to see one, not a Persian one actually, but yeah. I went to see one at the Bisha Hotel the other night. It was so amazing, yeah. Yeah. so much fun and uh, and educational. Yeah, go learn about these people. They're amazing. Shaya. Um, yeah, I, I, I like his brokenness uh, actually mm. about Islam, the notion of Islam. Yeah. Yes. And so I mean, fascinating. I read, you know, I, I, I same as same as him. I was also grew up in a in a religious family, and you know, it's there. There is no secret that like Sharia law banned being gay or any uh, homosexual activities, but. Um, it's hard when you are grow up in a Muslim family. It's very any religious family. It's very hard to unlearn what you've learned. So it's better to find a way to be in peace mm. with what you've learned. And I think the Persian religious that he's saying like uh, I think that's going to get some interesting reaction. Oh, no, no doubt. Um, <laughs> from uh, well, it was yeah. I'm grateful to have Javi uh, uh, in here and. Um, uh, I look forward to attending some uh, all Persian drag shows. It is Monday. It's been, a, I think, a couple of weeks or more since we've did uh, letters. And so, uh, well, there's only one thing left to do. Letters of the week. <coughs> oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> 
it's, all it's, right. it's the happiest he yeah. gets <laughs> for some on, reason. That's all I got. <laughs> but, but but swear to God, actually, I, I I've seen a homeless today in the subway, and uh, <laughs> speaking no, of no, Raza, he, he was saying no, Jesus no, Christ. he was saying oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 and not nothing Persian. He, he was like he, 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 he was saying oh yeah, oh yeah. Who knows? Maybe it's Raza's influence. Thanks, Shaya. That's interesting. A keen listener. <laughs> that is our demographic. That's all I needed for Keon to know. <laughs> that one homeless guy. Oh, uh, last week on episode 168, we had tech genius Siavash Alamuti on the show. He's the winner of the prestigious uh, 2022 Marconi Prize for Communications. As well, we had the musical siblings behind the band Rhythm and Vibes, and that's Sarah and Nima Ahmadiyya live in the Rook studio. Yes. So, Nassim Valim wrote to us saying, I'm saving every episode of Rook for the moment I have time to listen to them and enjoy every second of it. You guys are amazing. Gion and Kion, no mention of Reza. <laughs> 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 okay, let's go. Oh, <laughs> screw this. <laughs> I can listen to your voices forever. In Persian, they call it Sedaya Mahmali, meaning oh. voice as soft and soothing as suede. Yes. Oh, oh, velvety voice. Um, I can't believe they left me out. Sounds like witches. Dr. Amir Ruzati wrote ah, to us. Dr. Saying, Ruzati. Oh, you know him. Yes. Ah, he said, another great interview. I really resonated with Siavash's point about doing things that make an impact. Thanks, Rook team, for bringing these stories to us and in so doing, impacting us all. I think when he said Rook team, he means Keon and Gian. Voices of suede. And the other guys, you know. <laughs> uh, and then Williams, or Gita Williams said, amazing voices. Another great interview by Gian. Love your show. Nice, thank you. Voices of Sway. Reza got the voices of rubber. <laughs> <laughs> Let it go, Reza. <laughs> cool. And then part 19 of uh, Contemporary History of Iran, which was what, two weeks ago? Yes. Mm-hmm. We had the evolution of Persian music. Basically, what was Persian music before the 20th century? So American musician and ethno, this is going to be hard to pronounce, ethnomusicologist, Dr. Margaret Caton, author of the new book, A Persian Ode, Musical Life in Safavid and Qajar, Iran, joined us to discuss the topic. Mm -hmm. Um, So this username, I believe, was changed. I recognize this writing style anywhere. Fargo M, which I believe is Farhood, if you guys remember oh. this oh. <laughs> that, that was a guy who wrote us yeah. great letters. Yeah, so you're you think in, it's the same guy? It's It has to be. Okay. You're in for oh, a change. I'm looking forward to this letter. Yeah, yeah. He said, you fools, this topic needs a second part immediately. You got an audience with a sage. Dr. Margaret Caton is a font of insight and wisdom. Her book makes Iran wholly more captivating. Anyway, here's my list. He has a list. (laughs) Number one, Gian, for this misstep, I hope your mother glares disappointingly at you. (laughs) That's 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 every week. (laughs) Number two, Kian and Reza, I can't remember the last time you guys participated or contributed something meaningful to the (laughs) pre-post chat. Unless you're there to set up Gian with a with diet zingers. I hate this guy already. Yeah, gee, thanks. (laughs) You seem bored. Well, oh, well, you seem bored too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's time Patisa and Ponta oh. and Merdad step into the oh, foreground. Oh boy. All right. right. This over here. This is, what a right. fall from all the velvety right. voice. I know. I'm going to 
Uh, so number three, I'm gonna guess Shia spliced the music and edited the episode. True. Choice editing. It made me feel feelings. Oh. You guys remember feelings? <laughs> if the whole cast were siblings, your hypothetical mother would tell you to be more like Shia all <laughs> the time. <laughs> he says, uh, hashtag rogue snob, hashtag bring back chef boss. <laughs> bring back chef boss. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, chef would get a kick wow. out of You know, of if one. he didn't add that comment about me, uh, maybe. I think he's on to something. (laughs) Keon and Reza, I can't remember the last time you guys participated or contributed (laughs) something meaningful. Listen, I get the winter blues, okay? It's it's March tomorrow, so, you know, things will get better. Uh, And then, how do you move on from that letter? (laughs) Two weeks ago on episode 167, we had a special new edition of Rook on Valentine's Day exploring the problems of love and relationships in the Persian diaspora. And trust me, there's a lot of them. Psychotherapist, certified counselor, and public speaker Yasaman Karimi, as well as psychologist and life coach Nedo Bayat, Bayot? Bayot. Nedo Bayot yeah. joined us. So Star Mazoheri wrote to us saying, Great talk, lovely and intelligent ladies. On Instagram, we could actually see everyone and not just the audio. That's true, we have a video we clip. Showed the vi- we put a video clip up, yes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Dave Atkins wrote, Amazing upload, guys. Hope you and the Rook team had an amazing Valentine's, Gian. And then just Gian. I think the Rook. I think <laughs> the Rook team might have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and then uh, Shahab Dabori wrote, "I always liked psychological theories like Schumann's acculturation theory, but when I migrated, I saw there were so many hidden pitfalls in this process." I'm not oh. familiar with that theory. I don't think anybody understands what Shahab just said, <laughs> but very impressive. I'll probably look uh, it up later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hold Schumann's on. acculturation <laughs> theory. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Shahab liked those those psychological theories, but mm. when they migrated, they they they, they thought there were uh, there was a lot of pitfalls in yeah. the process. What you said. Yeah, okay. That's right. Yeah. Interesting. I'll look into we'll have it. to look up Schumann's mm-hmm. acculturation theory. Yeah, I guess Rez is doing it right now, unless mm. he's. I time don't even know what it is. Rez no, is playing Tetris. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a 1996 <laughs> reference. Uh, <laughs> I remember it. <laughs> what do people play now? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, the name Pac-Man. Folks. I'm not interested. <laughs> cool. And then Nas Khan wrote to us saying, "Great topic." didn't touch on the subject of the evolution of existing relationships with immigration. The ones that survive seem to thrive, but would be interested in expert opinion. Hmm. That's true. I think we, uh, mm-hmm. inevitably we have to bring uh, Yasmin mm-hmm. and Neda back because oh, yeah. there's so much more to talk about. Yeah. Uh, that's, a good, sure. that's a good suggestion there. Yeah. All right, letter of the week time. <laughs> All right, this week's letter of the week goes to Nina Tadayun. She says, Tadayun. Tadayun. Nina Tadayun. She says, Great episode. Psychological analysis of Iranian immigrants is not adequately addressed anywhere. So many great points. One thing that blew my mind was how Yasaman highlighted the weakening of the patriarchal structure and how it's manifested in relationships. My family and I have been living uh, living in the West for decades now. My parents are immigrants. I came when I was 18 and my brother was born here. This whole idea of identity slash relationship confusion resonated with us so much. We have been talking about it for the past two days. Finally, we are understanding the complications we have been experiencing for so many years. Thank you for helping us understand our confusion so beautifully. 
Isn't that wonderful? That's beautiful. Thank you, Nina. I love when I see an episode impacting someone like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Despite the fact that you and Reza have contributed nothing (laughs) meaningful. And we never get impacted by any episode. Hey, I was also... You're bored. In the same... (laughs) It's time to bring Paris Aponta and Merdod, all three of them. Oh, yeah. Bring Merdod. You're not going to be bored. (laughs) But at least I have a velvety voice. So, you know, I got that going. So, what do you got, Reza? Oh, yeah. Well, the homeless guy likes that. Hey, listen. I'm going to be talking like this. But but I have to say, there was a um, kind of um, puppet. There was a puppet. In oh uh, Iran, God. who called Mahmal, mm. and oh, actually true. his voice is like Rez. Kashaya, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm gonna kill you right now. <laughs> <laughs> like Gian has no idea what you're talking. Thought, about. Not, not, the, not the one with the red hat. Not no, the no, red that's hat. Like, but it's someone as stupid as him. <laughs> even worse. No. There was I this really show. thought in that moment Shaya would say something sweet and endearing and try to comfort <laughs> Reza. No, today to crush me. Mahman. No. <laughs> what did he talk like? There was Mahman. a show. There was like, a kid's like show, these, like a no, puppet no, show no. called Khuneye <laughs> Madar Bozorge, ma- yeah. Grandma's House. Uh-huh. And then there was a ki- like a kitty character that had garbage mustache, like terrible mustache. I, I love that. His name was Mahman. I love And that it was kind of sleazy too. Like, yeah. hey, <laughs> I mean, I see no difference between you <laughs> and Nachman. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody. Just uh, turned creepy. <laughs> Keon, Reza. Shia, merci. See you next week. Thanks. Full time for Rook for today. Go to our website, rookmedia.com, for all things, including all of our previous episodes, episodes of the contemporary history of Iran, Rook Funnies, Rook Moments video, all at rookmedia.com, where you can also become a patron and support us. Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together Savvy Roham, talented Anahita, Ponta the artist. The fabulous Keon, Super Parisa, Alay Merdad, Captain Reza, and Groovy Shia. <coughs> Thank you to all of you out there for supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe if you have not done so already. Uh, you can subscribe on any of our platforms, or all of them for that matter. And uh, you can find me on Instagram and other places at Giangomeshi. As ever, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you. And as ever, Mizu Mashi. 